Well, one day, Theo and Sierra came round to our place because Thomas and Kerry were doing a music practice with Helen. And it was my job to be the babysitter. <laughs> and from our house, we can see Cherry Island. Now, if you know Cherry Island reasonably well, there's this island in the middle of the Waikato River. There's a bridge that goes over to the island, and there's a house on the island. But most of you won't know that there are two dogs on the island. There's a black and white dog and a brown dog that's just recently had puppies. Now, if I stand on my back lawn and I do a loud whistle, those two dogs come running across the bridge. So I said to Theo, Theo, do you want to see my dogs? See that bridge down there? And I whistled. And these dogs come bounding along the bridge and then right by the gate to get onto the bridge there's a couple of pickets that are out of the fence and they put their heads through the pickets and they started barking. Because when I go for a walk some days I go down that zigzag from Topol Bungee right down through the bush and then I come out by the river but on my way down I whistle and those dogs come running over the bridge and they're waiting for me. And they start off in the middle where they can see me on the angle. And as soon as I pop out of the bush, they start barking. And then they run to the end of the bridge. And I, as I get closer to the bridge, they get louder and louder. And one actually puts his nose underneath the gate. So Theo was quite impressed with this. And, you know, I can even go to Topol Bungee and I can whistle from there and those dogs will still go running across that bridge. I should get myself a job doing some sideshow at Topol Bungee where, you know, I, I train the dogs how to jump over the fence and zigzag all the way up the hill to where I am and say, look, I'm a professional um, sheep farmer. <laughs> but anyway... Our story today, uh, we're, we're doing a study on the Beatitudes. And the very first Beatitude is, Blessed are the poor in spirit. And you know, I think of those dogs on that island as being poor in spirit. They're just dying for someone to come along and take them for a walk to take them around Spa Park and throw a stick so that they can fetch the stick. And so I've, I only whistle now when I'm actually going down there because they will, sit, they will um, stand on that bridge and wait and wait and wait because they think that I'm coming down the hill to see them. And I don't want them to be disappointed. And so we're doing this study on the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes say, Blessed are those who... And that word blessed means happy. And so I want those dogs to be happy. And I want you to be happy. Have you ever seen someone who decides that they're going to do a quick paint job on their house? But they don't sort of sand down the flaky paint. They don't do any preparation. They don't put masking tape around the, the windows. They don't carefully paint the edging. They splotch paint on the path. It goes all over things like power meters 
and clothes and what was supposed to improve the look of their house becomes an eyesore. And every time they walk past that botched up job, they think, oh, why didn't I make a better job of that? Well, the Beatitudes are keys so that we can clean up our lives. We can renew our lives. And they can be like touch-up paint that removes an irritant. All right, you've got some... There's been some collision or there's some paint that's flaked off or there's a broken board or something and you paint it up and you make sure it looks better so that when you see it, instead of feeling frustrated, you're reasonably happy. But this message of Jesus is quite different to what most people expected it to be. The Beatitudes can be described as the virtues of of the soul and they can release the power of God into our lives. You know, our happiness doesn't depend upon what goes on around us, but on what goes on inside of us. It's our attitude throughout the circumstances of life that really matters. You know, Viktor Frankl, he was a man who suffered in a German concentration camp. And he decided that the Germans, there was one thing the Germans couldn't make him do. And that was they couldn't take away from him his decision to have a good attitude. And even in that concentration camp, he decided he was not going to get miserable. He was going to be bright and happy and he asked the Lord to help him in that. So the first beatitude that Jesus shared on that mountain when he spoke to his disciples was, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, uh, an author and uh, teacher called Brian Zahn, he interprets this verse in this way. He says, blessed are those who are poor at, spiritual, at being spiritual. Maybe some people here this morning that think, I'm not a good Christian, I'm not very spiritual. And he says, for the kingdom of heaven is well suited for ordinary people. You know, when Jesus was on earth, all the religious people, the scribes, the Pharisees, the priests, the teachers of the law... They had no time for Jesus. Jesus' followers were mainly made up of fishermen, tradespeople, tax collectors, and a wide variety of unspiritual people who struggled in their lives. Jesus accepted everybody, and he invited them to be included in what he was doing. So remember that that word blessed means happy. The poor in spirit are simple-minded people who don't see themselves as being superior. And they're willing to give up uh, they're willing to give up on their own will and trust God's will for their lives. This beatitude is the foundation stone of the rest of the Beatitudes. 
If we're not poor in spirit, it's impossible to be genuinely happy. Happiness is not happiness is a journey. It's not a destination. You know, my first year teaching, I was teach, teaching on, in Greymouth on the west coast of the South Island. And people said, oh, what are you going there for? That's, that's a crazy place. There's not a lot happening there. But it was one of the best places that I've ever lived in because I had a good bunch of friends there and I was happy and out there doing all sorts of interesting things. We often think that it's our outward circumstances that will make us happy. We might think, when I get the right job, I'll be happy. When I get married, when I have a child, or when my children leave home, <laughs> or when I retire. We're always looking for some future event that will make us happy. But Jesus tells us that the exact opposite is true. Happiness comes from inside us. We all have the potential to possess genuine contentment and authentic joy. So when Jesus talks about being poor in spirit, he's not talking about people that are rich in possessions. Nowhere in Scripture does Jesus condemn people for having possessions. But he does warn us that it's important that we control our possessions rather than our possessions controlling us. So Jesus is not suggesting that we put ourselves down or we say, I'm useless or I'm hopeless. Sometimes we may even use putting ourselves down as a way of promoting ourselves. You know, in a previous church where I pastored, there was a guy in the church who was, was a really good speaker and I'd get him to speak one from time to time. And one day he spoke really well and I went up to him after the service and I said, that was a really good word. And he looked at me and he said, that wasn't me, that was the Lord. And I looked at him and I said, it wasn't that good. <laughs> and we both laughed. In giving honour to God, sometimes it's very easy to honour ourselves instead. We're trying to glorify God, but we're making ourselves look even better than God through what we say. Be careful with testimonies. We can share what the Lord's done in our lives, but really we're putting ourselves under the spotlight rather than God. There's also no need for false modesty. Jesus loves us and he values us. Jesus went to the cross for each one of us because every one of us is important to him. We have great value and significance to him. This verse could also be translated as, happy are those who abandon their pride, no matter what the cost. They're the only ones who really have God as their king. So we can ask ourselves, am I a proud person? Or am I a humble person. We don't have to prove ourselves to God or to other people. 
The word poor that Jesus uses here is the same word used for a poor beggar who has absolutely nothing. Someone who has no clothes, no food, no money, nothing. Do we sometimes think that our own ideas or our ways of doing things are better than God's? Do we think we're so capable in some areas that we can go it along alone and we don't need God to help us? Do we sometimes think that God owes us a favour for something good that we've done? The only way to enter the kingdom of God is to realise that we are bankrupt before him. We've got nothing. We depend on God for everything. We bow before him and declare him as our supreme ruler. We ask him to take away all our pride, our arrogance, conceit, and our selfish ambition. We're saved by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by saying, Lord, I want you to be in charge of my life. I want to turn from going my own way. I want to go your way. So poor in spirit means that we recognize our spiritual poverty and we become totally dependent on God. It means admitting that we're sinners and that it's our sin that caused Jesus to go to the cross. It means emptying ourselves of our self-centeredness and humbling ourselves. Happiness does not depend on how great we think we are or on how humble we are. Jesus lived a life of humility. And in Philippians 2 verse 8, it says, When Jesus was living as a man, he humbled himself and was fully obedient to God. Even when that caused his death, even death on a cross. So the rich in spirit, they think they know everything. The poor in spirit admit their weaknesses. The rich in spirit are always looking for ways to make themselves appear greater. They love to list all their accomplishments and flaunt all their possessions. The poor in spirit seek God's greatness. We want to glorify God in all that we do and say. The rich in spirit are self-sufficient. They don't need God. They don't need anybody. The poor in spirit are dependent on Christ. People who are poor in spirit realize that they cannot save themselves. It's a wonderful verse in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. It says, For it is by God's grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not the result of your own efforts, so no one can boast about it. We're absolutely nothing without God. And it takes humility for us to acknowledge this. We'll never be happy until we understand that every one of us has a desperate need for God. God is delighted when we admit our failure. Rather than boast about our achievements, we admit our weaknesses. It's when we become poor in spirit that we're surprised by the joy that comes into our life.
So the question is this morning, are you a proud or a humble person? Do you acknowledge your need for Jesus? Or are you comfortable just going through life on your own? I've got a, a checklist here of traits of a humble person. And these are um, from Joyce Meyer. And if you're in a, a home group and you use the studies that are based on the sermon, these 10 points are in the, this week's study. So grab one on your way out. You don't have to jot them down. So I'm going to list 10 characteristics or traits of a humble person. If uh, you can't be honest with this, then maybe you, get, you need to get your spouse to help you with it. Okay, the first, the first trait of a humble person. <clears throat> the humble can ask for help. And they don't insist that everything is done their way. Okay? Tick or across. Do you think you can do everything? Do you ask for help? Number two, they're quick to forgive. If someone wrongs you, you want to get back into relationship with that person, and so you're a forgiving person. And you're difficult to offend. You don't take offense easily. And you're happy to allow God to be your vindicator. If someone does something nasty to you, rather than retaliate by doing something nasty to them, you say, God, you're in control. You deal with the situation. I'm going to keep the peace here. Number three, they are patient and don't get frustrated with the weaknesses of others. There's a beautiful verse in Galatians 6 verse 1. It says, if anyone is caught in any kind of wrongdoing, those of you who are spiritual should set him right, but you must do it in a gentle way. Every one of us can get into trouble. Every one of us can make a mistake. We can fall in one way or another. And we're to restore those people that make mistakes, that get into difficulty, gently. Number four, the humble person is a peacemaker. To be a peacemaker, you have to be humble to maintain that peace with everyone in your life. And in Romans 6, 12 verse 16, it says, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Is that one of your mottos for life? That you want to make every effort to be at peace with everyone. Number five, a humble person knows when to be quiet. You know, there's some people that have to have the last word. Sometimes the only way to keep them quiet is to agree with them. They're actually wrong, but you know that if you keep telling them that they're wrong, that they're going to keep on going on and on about it. So it's best just to agree, just to shut them up. Number six, a humble person sees their weaknesses and can readily admit them. That's a biggie, that one. Some people are teachable, some people aren't. 
If you've got a blind spot and you're falling out with people time and time again because of the same reason, I'm your friend if I tell you about it. You're my friend if you tell me about a problem that I've got. Number seven, a humble person happily serves other people and doesn't do it to be noticed. I'm amazed at the number of people that do help with our community meal. People that just come along and clean up before a meal, uh, after a meal, or they're there preparing before a meal. They're in the kitchen. No one sees them. They're just quietly helping out. And then they go home afterwards without a lot of acknowledgement or affirmation. They're not doing it for themselves. They're doing it unto the Lord. And their reward will come from God. Number eight, a humble person is thankful. An attitude of gratitude releases joy and peace into our lives. Number nine, a humble person has a tender conscience and is quick to admit when they get it wrong. And finally, number ten, a leader who is truly humble treats everyone with respect. You don't show favoritism or partiality. Everyone is God's creation and God loves every single person. How a person, how a leader treats other people is a good indicator of their level of humility. In 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 6 it says, Therefore, humble yourselves. And in the Amplified Version that means demote yourself. Lower yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God that in due time he may lift you up or exalt you. So there are blessings that come through being poor in spirit. And the main one is that we inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now that means that when this life ends, we'll go to heaven if we're a believer in Jesus. But it also means that we allow Christ to rule in our lives here while we're on earth, while we're on the planet. It's a bit like a, an obedient child who benefits from the provision of their mum and their dad. The poor in spirit have Jesus as their heavenly father and we don't need to try and control everything ourselves. We can trust in God. Our submission to God is voluntary. God doesn't force us to obey him. We've got to make up our mind and decide, am I going to follow Jesus? And I, am I going to obey Jesus? Or am I going to do things my own way? God desires our submission as dearly loved adopted children. Are you prepared to offer your life to Jesus in this way? Let's pray. Father God, we acknowledge our need for you today. Forgive us of our pride and our selfish ambition. We yield our lives afresh to you today. Please help us. We need your wisdom, your love, and your grace to help us in this. In Jesus' name, amen.